Hello, my name is John Sosha, the father of Jeremy Sosha, and I want to welcome you to the next exciting episode of the Infinite Rabbit Hole. You know, when Tanya talks about it, she says, you know, she she remembers her dad came home and he was just completely white as a ghost and just very shocked. He wasn't he wasn't a very emotional guy. And, uh, you know, obviously this, this shook him to the core. Um, so then they, they had woken up the next day and Tanya said they would woken up to a house full of all these weird people. She says that, you know, it, it was very interesting. And she says that um, now it could have just been the fact that she was a young child. But she says she believes now as an adult that one of the people that or a couple of people that were there were actually um, the men in black. Like, Tanya uh, said there was there, it was never there was never not anybody outside and not just like one or two people but like groups of people they would hide out in like the bushes and things like that trying to catch, catch a glimpse of of Indrid. I'd like the question that was posed of if he can talk to to Indrid mm-hmm. anytime. Um, Tanya, um, so the way that like she explains it to me, it's channeling basically. I'm sure you guys have heard that term before. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to really kind of get into more of a meditative state and then you can reach out and make contact, but it's not at any given point in time. So like, no, Tanya says that they have family photos together. Introducing Injured Cold Part 5, the Tanya Derenberger interview. Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole. back to the infinite rabbit hole i am your host jeremy and today we have probably the biggest episode that we will ever do in the history of the show because after this we're done (laughs) (laughs) this is it we have crossed all our t's dotted all our i's and although we are not done we will be continuing after this i don't think we get much bigger than this particular episode this is one that I've been waiting for a very long time. Honestly, never even thought that I would ever get this opportunity to do so. But before we go ahead and break the news on how exciting this episode is going to be, we have to introduce you to the rest of the cast for the night. Let's go ahead and start off with Jake. Jake, what's going on, man? My back hurts. <laughs> Why does your back hurt, Jake? Well, it wasn't from the motorcycle crash because that wasn't even that bad. It was when I was lifting the bike. I did too much back and not enough legs, and I felt a pop. So I'm here. My back hurts, but I'm still here because Jeremy made me. I did. I said, (laughs) no workman's comp from IRH. That's right. Get up. Go to work. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Next, Jeffrey. Tis I, Jeffrey. I am here. I'm doing quite well. My back does not hurt. I did order some awesome blue blocking spectacles, so I'm excited to not have a migraine after this episode. Yeah, he looks smart today. Thank you. I'm not smart, but I'm glad that I look smart. You do. You <laughs> look you look very smart, man. And uh, 
you were eating some really nice cookies earlier that made me super jealous. I had fresh baked chocolate chip cookies, everybody. I am all hyped up, ready to go. And Kenzar, we are a week removed from you eating poutine. Poutine? 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 And uh, everyone's dying to know, what did you eat for dinner tonight? Uh, I had spicy chicken strips and french fries tonight. Ooh. How are you doing? You doing good? I'm pretty good. I'm okay. Are yeah, you excited kidding. for this episode? Absolutely. I've I've been on the edge of my seat for it this entire time. So for all of those that are listening to this episode or watching this episode on the Paranormal Network, you guys probably ruined the surprise by reading the description and the title of the episode. But today we're doing our part five on our Injured Cold series. Yay. That's it. Okay. Um... <laughs> But sorry. instead of listening to me all day, go on and on and on about this amazing story. We have a guest today that's going to give us her insight and her story from her point of view, from her father, Woody Derenberger. Yes, that Derenberger. And yes, we are talking to Tanya Derenberger today. Tanya, welcome to the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Oh, thanks for having me. You guys, when I was in the hospital, I, I binged all your all your podcasts. So Well, I appreciate that. It's awesome. And I binged your book twice. <laughs> Beyond Lanulos. Awesome book, by the way. Thank you. I heard you have another one coming out soon too, huh? Yes, I do. Not as soon as I would like because of being sick and everything. I didn't feel like typing. But it'll be out soon. Totally understand. Well, you got to keep us updated with that so we can go ahead and push that for you, okay? Oh, I definitely will. Awesome. So, Tanya, I'm just going to jump right into it. This is the first time where I don't have anything written. I'm not reading off of a screen. I have nothing. I just want to have as organic of a conversation with you as possible about Injured Cold and your story. So, what is the earliest memory that you have of Mr. Injured Cold? Well, the earliest memory I have of the entire situation was when I was four years old. My dad came in from being on a job in sales. He was a sewing machine salesman. And mm -hmm. They sold TVs and stereos and things, too. But he came in from his sales call late at night, which he always did. And I thought it was weird that he, when he came in, he never failed. to. I was always a daddy's girl. So he always came in and take time to play with me and talk to me about my day and stuff like that. But he walked past my brother and I, and he was very pale. He was white as a sheet. He went in the living room. I'm in. The, I'm sorry, the kitchen. And my mom asked him what was wrong because she thought maybe he had an accident in his in his pound truck. And he started telling a story about meeting this he never called Indrid an alien he called him an otherworldly creature and mom didn't quite understand what he was talking about and as he went on she suddenly said what you'll scare the kids and upstairs we were told to go and upstairs we went but upstairs I did not stay because I had to know what was going on. 
Of course. I was, the, I was always the nosy type, nosy little girl. So I snuck back downstairs. And there's this little alcove off of the living room. And so I hid in it while he told mom about being stopped by this guy on, on the highway and seeing a craft. He never called it a UFO. It was a craft. And he was all shaky and upset. So mom went to the phone and called the police department. And as soon as she hung up, that was my cue to skedaddle back upstairs before <laughs> I was found. And probably, I don't know, you know, four-year-olds don't have any sense of time. Right. It wasn't, right. It wasn't that long. I'd say if I had to say now, it was probably about a half hour later. There was a knock on the door and in came several gentlemen. And they were introduced to mom by my dad. One was the a deputy sheriff from Parkersburg, uh, from Wood County, which my mom knew because her cousin was a deputy sheriff mm -hmm. from Wood County. And one was a police officer. Another one was a plainclothes gentleman who was introduced as being someone from the Air Force. And the third was a reporter from our local news station, WTAP. So I started to stop. Ever. Sorry, a little tongue-tied today. You're okay. I, I sat at the top of the stairs listening to my dad recount this whole story to them also. And they left. And back into my bedroom I went before I got caught. <laughs> and very, very, very soon after that came another knock on the door. And when I looked down the stairway, because where our stairs were at the farmhouse, you could look straight down them and see who came in. Mm -hmm. three, three very smartly dressed gentlemen came in the house. And I thought they, maybe they were deacons from the church because mom had called the church also. And they were dressed all in black, except for their shirts were white. They had fedoras on. And what I thought was really weird was it was very late at night. It was probably about 10 o'clock at night by that time. And they were wearing sunglasses. And all they told my dad was, recant your story and don't tell anybody else about what you saw. And they, they left the house. And no more than they got out, out, out of the door, dad looked at mom and said, yeah, right. Because mm -hmm. my dad would not be intimidated. And then, of course, the next day, dad went on to WTAP. Yeah. And by the time that, and of course, the announcer for WTAP gave our address when he introduced my dad. Of course, right? Yeah. So when mom, by the time mom and dad got home, because they had been there all day, it was, um, there were, I swear, half of Parkersburg showed up in our, in our, in our yard. And I didn't understand what was going on at that time. I just went outside and thought, ooh, people to play with. Because we lived in a very remote part of Mineral Wells at that time. It's 
lot more built up now. And there weren't really anybody, there wasn't really anybody around. And nobody really came over very much. Um, the Derenberger family was not, they weren't very sociable people. And I went outside and mom actually came out serving coffee to the people outside. So the police had to be called several times to get everybody out of our yard because every time the, the sheriff's department would get everybody out, as soon as the sheriff's department would leave, people came back. And mom told me not to be afraid that, you know, daddy saw something and tried to explain it to me a little bit. But like I said, I was four years old. I didn't understand, you know, space people or crafts and things like that. So I'm going to stop you there, Tanya, so we can talk about this a little bit. Uh, You're doing a great job, by the way. Thank you so much for for, uh, coming out and talking to us about this story. This is this is a fantastic piece of, yeah. It, it's it's tough to to categorize it because we have one of these rare cases where, in the genre of stuff that we talk about, this weird, strange, and unknown world that that lives next to us or that we live in, right? It's very rare that we have somebody from a really big event, such as the Indrid Cold and Woody De- Derenberger story, that is one still available to talk to, and two is willing to talk to us. You know, mm-hmm. and this is this is huge, Tanya. So first, thank you, thank you so much for coming on and 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 talking to us. My first question, if everybody here would allow me to go first. I guess. I guess. <laughs> so the part in the story where you're on top of the stairs and you're watching your dad answer the door for multiple people, one of the big questions that always came to us as we were telling the story uh, during our four-part Injured Cold series on our just audio version of the podcast was, do you think that especially that last group the black suit with the white shirt underneath and the fedoras. Do you believe that this was the infamous men in black? Yes, I do. And in fact, later on, as I got older, dad and I started talking about the subject a lot together. In fact, I was the only one at that time he would even talk to about it. And that's exactly who he told me that he believed they were because they were, they were, he was told, you know, recant your story, don't tell anybody else anything, and you won't have any problems from us. Basically, mm-hmm. and they did it in a very threatening manner. So I was always afraid because Dad told me that Indrid and his friend Carl were there that night, milling around in, in the yard amongst other people. So I was always afraid that something would happen to my family or as I got to know Indrid and his family, that something would happen to them because after that people would show up not only in our yard wanting to see, as they put it, the space people, mm-hmm. but um, we had people, I ended up starting to have to sleep with my mother and father because right outside my window was a big tree 
And in that tray every night were men with shotguns. Oh, man. Yeah, that so so that was a very frightening thing. And I keep being asked, well, you know, this is not a normal life. And no, you know, people keep asking me how I feel about this, that, and the other. And how did I grow up so normal? I don't know that I am normal. You know, I mean, this is something that happened to me and continues to happen to me. And I just, I always swore to my dad that I would keep his memory and the whole story alive. That is awesome. Does anybody else have any questions for Tanya? Yeah, thanks for taking my question, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I love you too, Jake. Go. <laughs> yeah, making me be here and then stealing all my questions. Hope this isn't a trend. So, I mean, all right, right away, I mean, I don't, I didn't re-listen to our episodes before having you on, Tanya, but it was very thorough, and, you know, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask was the Men in Black question, right? Right. And it was, it's so strange that they would come off so threatening like that, but it really doesn't seem like there was actually any real repercussions. Like they didn't do what people think they do, like turn your brain to soup or something like that. Do something crazy. There's like, yeah, don't do it or else. And then they, nothing ever happens. Right. And so it's just like, what's, what's the point of even, you know, threatening somebody or, or giving someone a stern talking to, if there's nothing behind that, it just seems kind of, kind of weird to me. I guess a lot of, I guess a lot of people would be, afraid of repercussions from them. Mm -hmm. And I think dad was just so much in the spotlight that as am I now that they were afraid to do anything because, you know, Hey, people would know who it was. Mm. That's true. Woody was a pretty popular figure back then, especially during Mm -hmm. this time period. I got a question for you, Tanya, to kind of piggyback off of what Jake was just saying. Um, did your dad ever mention or imply that maybe they did do something when they came? Like, cause you know, like, let's just go off the movie men in black, right? They got the little stick where they like flash your memory. Neuralizer. <laughs> yeah. You know, like did he ever like suggest that maybe they did somehow like do something weird like that or anything like that to you? No, never. In fact, it's really weird. The place where my dad was stopped by injured cold, I bought a house in Parkersburg last August, and my daughter actually picked it out for me, and I had never seen it. And when I got here, I just kind of stopped dead in my tracks because if you look down my street, you can see the spot where my dad was stopped by Indrid. That's that's crazy. That's, yeah, I thought uh... Some might call that a synchronicity. I was going to say, I was yeah. like, is this the right definition for synchronicity? And I was like, I don't know. This is like a gray area for it. But yeah, that is, it does remind you of a synchronicity. And that is absolutely wild. What about you, kid? You got anything? Not thus far. No, I'm just, in, I, I like listening to your story. I've, I was listening, I've listened to uh, your interview with uh, Ashley on or ashers on uh wednesdays we talk weird and i just i really like the story that you have to tell so right now i'm just listening jake you got any more man no 
You sure? I'm going to wait till later, and then you're going to steal those from me, too. No, I'm not. I'm not going to ask any more <laughs> questions. I'll let you speak for me. How about that? No, no, no. It's, it's all right. I'm, I'm good. I'm also, I'm with Kenzar. I'm just listening and enjoying it. It is fantastic to hear it come from mm-hmm. her. It is. Tanya, thank you. Again, I, I'm, I'm going to say this a couple more times tonight. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. So take us into the mind of young Tanya Derenberger. She's four years old, and she's in a situation where she has to sleep with her parents because there's men sitting in a tree outside of her window uh, wielding shotguns because her father claims to have had an an interaction with an alien being on the highway one night. And he goes and he talks about it on a radio show. So... What is going on in young Tanya's mind? Is she is she afraid? Is she is she excited? What what's going on? She was a little excited. Uh, well, actually, she was a lot excited. She was, but but she was a little afraid, basically because of the guys who were in the shotgun. And at that point, Carl and Indrid came over quite a bit, so mm-hmm. I was always afraid that. Somebody would find out who our new friends were and they would be killed or that my father would be killed or taken, you know, kidnapped or, or whatever. Cause my dad during that, during the time period afterwards was gone a lot. He, mm-hmm. and many times he'd be gone for a couple weeks at a time. And when he'd come home, he couldn't even really tell mom where he had been. He didn't right. remember where he had been and he had no, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? He had no recollection of anything that had happened to him. Let's take a step back for a second because we have some new listeners here on the paranormal network that may not be too familiar with the injured cold story, right? Now it is by far one of the more popular stories within the genre of the, the strange and unusual that we deal with here on the infinite rabbit hole but people that are listening to this for the first time hearing the injured cold story uh for the first time maybe hearing us and saying aliens you know why why wouldn't somebody recognize an alien being coming into your house if there's a group of people outside so because he didn't look like an alien being he didn't that's right as they describe him now he looked he was but he was a little, I, a little over, I'd say six feet tall because dad was six one, and he was just a little bit taller than dad, very slender, and always had his ha- hair slicked back when he, when he wasn't wearing his fedora, mm-hmm. and except he had just had a you know a deep a deep tan. And Carl, Carl Ardo, right? Is it Ardo yes. or Addo? Ardo. Ar- Ardo. Uh, he was he was sort of like the second in command of Indrid's crew, correct? Correct. So you have these two beings from this planet. What's the name of the planet? Lanulos. Lanulos, and they are very humanoid, right? They they look human, um, with very very slight differences, such as the the color of their skin, which has been described by many as olive colored. One piece of uh, information that you had put in your book that was very interesting to me 
was how Indrid and Carl and even Demo Hassan at one point were actually standing amongst the crowd outside of your house and nobody knew that they were there. Right. Well, I mean, they just looked like regular people. They just, they, their, their skin color was darker. So that always just explained it to people that when they'd ask that they were there, they were our friends from Florida. <laughs> Thus that explained the tan. And I always told, I still tell people when they say, well, what would you compare Indra to? And I would always say that he always, he reminded me of George Hamilton. He'd be like, you ever seen anybody from Miami? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. We're going to put a picture of George Hamilton up. Oh, okay. But except he would have black hair, right? Right. Or did George Hamilton? George Hamilton had black hair as a, when he was younger. Absolutely. I'm seeing it now. Wow. Indrid was handsome. Yeah, he was very. What is what is your favorite memory of either Indrid or, you know, with another member of the Cold family or his oh, his group? I have to pick one. Uh -huh. No, you do not. Absolutely do not. You can tell us all of them if you would like. My, well, they're in the book, but my most favorite memory and best memory of Indrid, mom would always take me shopping with her. And here in Parkersburg, uh -huh. there used to be a drugstore with a lunch counter in it. And we would go there a lot. And of course, mom knew everybody. She talked to everybody she saw. And I, she gave me money to to go and get some to go to the counter and get some ice cream so while i was sitting there the waitress brought the biggest ice cream sundae that you'd ever that you would have ever found back then yeah and i mean it was a big old bowl and i of course was to always taught never to accept candy or things like that from, from strangers and I asked the waitress, I said, well, I didn't order yet. Where did this come from? And she said, it's from the gentleman at the end of the counter. And Indrid was sitting there. So you knew who Indrid was at this point? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I mean, because he had been to the house. And at that point, he had been he had been to the house with his kids. Can you tell us a little bit about the day that you personally met Indrid? And this is another one of my favorite memories. <coughs> Sorry, guys, I've been sick and in the hospital and can't get enough to drink. But anyway. No problem. He had been to the house with kids. With his kids. And Carl Ardo's daughter. So, yeah, I had already, I had, I knew who he was. And my favorite, my favorite memory of the kid, of being with the you know, with the kids was, of course, they also, too, had had the deep tans, but they looked just like regular children, so it didn't, you know, didn't bother me. But we would do things like grab boxes and slide down the steps. And you know you're in trouble when your mom uses your full name. <laughs> because I, yeah. I would hear... Tanya Dean Derenberger, what are you doing? 
it's like, oops. So at that point, I mean, it was cold outside and they didn't have winter coats, but my brother had a couple of extra and I had an next one. So we took the boxes outside and slid down the muddy hill behind the, behind the farmhouse. So, yeah, I mean, and then that, that same, that same time we went in and mom made us hot dogs and macaroni and cheese and they had never seen a hot dog. So, I mean, they were, they loved it. But we were also playing up in my brother's room after that. Greg was at school. And we were playing with my brother's cars. And they, you know, they didn't know what they were. Of course, I gave each of them a couple of my brother's cars to take home. But I also pulled out my brother's fake army stuff. You know, he got the guns and swords and all of that. And that scared them because Lanios was a peaceful planet and they didn't have anything like that to play with. In fact, to this day, when I see the boys, I'm still apologizing for it 55 years later. So speaking of, you had just posted a picture of, was it Connor or, or, uh, or the bro- or his brother? His brother was Connored. It was the youngest one. Connored. So can you tell us a little bit about that? A gentleman that I am friends with on Facebook lives in Montreal, Canada. And he was outside and it was very dark. He was, it was the night of the eclipse. And just as he got started to take a picture of the eclipse, there was this green ball hovering in the background and there was a gentleman walking toward him. And as he started to describe the gentleman to me, I finished his description. And that was before I'd seen the photo. And he could not believe that he saw what he saw. Of course, he got scared and hightailed it out of there as Conard was approaching him. And that is the first time that I've heard of them, you know, doing something like that, because that was always a no-no. So if anybody's listening or watching this episode and they're wondering what picture we're talking about, you can go over to the Infinite Rabbit Hole Facebook group with the black logo and go to Monday, May 16th, and you will see a post by Tanya. And it is simply titled, uh, if, if you blow up this photo underneath the green light, you can see the image of a man. This is Connor Cold. This, it is a picture of a man walking away from the camera underneath a green light at night. It looks like it's a little hazy. And uh, this, is, this is the picture that Tanya is talking about. So please check it out and uh, let her know what you think about it. It's very interesting. Um, so, Tanya, have you had any, all right, you know what? I'm going to stop taking the spotlight. Jake, do you have any questions for Tanya? No, not at the moment. <laughs> what about Jake? Or what about Jeff and Kenzo? Are you guys got? I got a question for you, Tanya. If I'm not, I might be mistaken because I haven't listened, re-listened to the episodes we did before, so it's been a little while. Um, Indrid didn't age at the same a uh, rate that we do. Am, am I right about that? 
that's exact, exactly right. I mean, they live to be upwards to 125 years old, but no, they okay. did not age at the same rate. So his his kids, right? That's who we're talking about here. This is one. Yes. His children. Yes. So they must not age at the same rate either. So, like, how old would he be now? Like the the kid that you posted the picture of. Well, Indrid's ninety five. Um, I'd have to go back and do the math, but I mean, he. I would say I'm fifty nine, and he was older than I am. I'd say he was in his. He's in his sixties. Does he appear like he's in his 60s? Like, looking at him face-to-face, does he look like he's that old? Like, how does it... Because I, I had this By question... standards? Yeah, I had this question on, on the other episode, like, how the aging thing works. Like, do they just not look like they're aging, or do they actually look like they're that old, but they just live much longer and look older and older and older? No, they they didn't look like they had been aging. I mean, yeah, they they got older, but they didn't act like... You know, they didn't, and they don't seem like, you know, they're really as old as they are. I have a question. What's uh, the names? They have a first name and a last name, just like we do. Is that, is are those the, the real names, or is that more like something no. for us? Like, we would never be able to pronounce that. No, those are their real names. There's Connor Cold. Conard Cold, and then there was um, Mystique Ardo. Now, Indrid's wife was Kimmy, right? And they they had a daughter too, right? Kimbulus. Kimbulus, yeah. I mean, you know, we name our kids really weird names. Yeah, to know this. Um, I was just making sure that we could we could uh, get the whole family in there real quick. Um, have you ever met? Uh, the daughter? I have not seen her in years because and I was talking to some some girls from the Czech Republic about this yesterday. They still don't allow women to fly on their crafts. They're kind of... Oh, really? Yeah, you know, there's there's no women's lib and things like that at on Lanulus. The you okay. know, they believe in the whole barefoot pregnant women should be at home thing. Um okay. Um so I gotta ask, how did uh Kimmy get to Earth to come visit the Derenbergs? Well, of course, since they, they had she had, wasn't very old when they brought her. She was only a few months mm-hmm. old. The intergalactic council that they have, it's made up of, I guess, several different galaxies or planets or whoever's in this council. It's kind of like our Congress and our Senate. They okay. did allow Indrid to bring Kimmy and Kimulus to see us because... They knew by then we had gotten to be very good friends, and they knew we'd want to see the baby. Do you think that this was a sort of uh, technique used as a way of breaking the ice between the 
the council and possibly Earth? It's possible. It's very possible because Indrid eventually became head of the council. Right. And then he he stepped down and now Connor is head of the council. Does anybody else have any questions? I'm, I'm taking the entire mic. Not at the moment, no. Anybody else? Um, I had a question, but I can't think of it off the top. I'm sure I'll think of it as soon as you start talking again. Go ahead. Okay. I'm good Kenza. for now. I'm good. All right. So I have to ask, right? This is another question that came up uh, through the grapevine. And also back when we had an episode that we we actually recorded it and ended up never playing it. Um, we were going to do an episode on Valiant Thor. Now, do you know of any, or do you know if there is a official tie-in or relation between Injured Cold and Valiant Thor? <laughs> I don't believe so, although I was very pressured by Andy Colvin to say, yeah, this is a picture of Injured, this is Valiant Thor, you know, just leave me alone. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Andy. I, yeah. I heard he's not a very friendly character. I met Andy at a Mothman festival. And I, I had gone down and Susan Shepard was a good friend of mine and she was speaking. And I had actually at that point printed copies of my book and took them to home, home um, staples or office depot or somewhere and had them spiral bound and I didn't get it. And she told everyone that, you know, I had them and I just went through the crowd. And I had people running after me to buy them. So I met Andy at a Mothman festival and he said, you know, why don't we do a project together? This is a really cool story. And that's how I met him. Hey everybody, bear with us while we take this quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Andy Colvin is known for uh, buying the rights to stories within the realm of things that we talk about here on the infinite rabbit hole and him and uh, one of his popular partners back in the day. Now he, he's no longer alive, but Gray Barker and Andy Colvin used to work together quite a bit. Correct. I don't know how much they they worked together. I really wasn't, you know, concerned with that information. I do know that okay. I spoke to David Houchin at the Clarksburg Harrison County Library because they have a special building and in there in that building is 
what they call the West Virginia room. It's got all West Virginia history and things. And off of that room, there are all kinds of Gray Barker's books and files that he had donated to the library because he was from Clarksburg. Um, you know, Andy says they, they were real good friends, but I don't know. In fact, I recently called Mr. Houchin because mm-hmm. Andy has um, published a book. And it's called, in fact, he sent me a copy. The Night Theorist Stood Still, The Strange Case of Ender Cold. And in it, the way I got involved in this book is, yeah, is he inserted parts of my book and parts of dad's book into this book. And I threatened to sue him for copyright infringement because while he had the right to publish my book, he had no right to alter it or, you know, do anything else with it. So we eventually negotiated a new settlement on how much money he was going to give me because he refused to pay me royalties. He kept saying, oh, I, you know, your book's selling better than anything by Gray Barker or John Keel. So what I've done is I'm just telling people buy it directly from me because I don't make a penny off of it when they buy it off of Amazon. Mm-hmm. And that goes to Andy, right? Yeah. Yeah, it goes to Andy. That's rude. That is super rude. That is. Just like, I don't know how he can... I mean, this has... The, this book was written by Gray Barker. But mm-hmm. my book wasn't around at the time that Gray was alive. And right. he would not have... I don't believe he would have used parts of Dad's book in his story. I also found, when I was reading it, very interesting material that he says he found in Gray Barker's notes about what, you know, the scenario between the discussion between my mother and my father. And that's not at all how it went down. So I just want to take a sidestep here just for a second and just talk about this book and I know that a lot of my listeners, and it's not necessarily to the Paranormal Network uh, crowd quite yet, but a lot of my my listeners from our early works will, you know, they take a lot of my uh, recommendations for books. And one thing that I want to point out about this book, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to, I'm going to withhold uh, my opinions on Gray Barker and the book edited by Andrew Colvin, The the Night the Earth Stood Still. Uh, This book. But I will say that most of this book here is copy and pasted literally word for word from Beyond Lanulos, the book written by uh, Tanya. This is what it looks like here. Okay, This is the one that I got off Amazon that every penny that I purchased it for went to Andy Colvin. Um, I do apologize about that. Well, Tanya, I did not know of that situation. No, at the time. Nobody has any way of knowing. Um, and then this is my large print 
uh, copy of Visitors from Lanulos where you actually have the uh, like forms that were filled out. I don't know if, if you guys can see this, but it's got some really, really good stuff on, on the back end. But this book here, uh, the nice the night the earth is still by by gray barker literally almost every single chapter is just copy and pasted like i'm just going to reference chapter 15 here for a second the chapter is called from lanulos and beyond and it starts off woody's darren woody's daughter tanya eventually wrote about her own experiences with injured in a book called beyond lanulos she began the book by explaining that the initial events were traumatic for her colon Copy and pasted information. Copy and pasted information. Copy and pasted all the way down. Here's here's a break right here where he put four words of his own. Copy and pasted information. Copy and pasted information. End of chapter. So I don't necessarily believe in that kind of writing. Um, Tanya, you know, if, if I had to put my own opinion out there, actually, no, I'm not going to. Um, I'm going to let the listeners make up their own decision on this whole thing because I don't want a, uh, a charge, uh, <laughs> uh, of destroying someone's character. Um, I just believe that if you want the purest information about a story, the best way to do it is to go straight to the source and Tanya, that's you. Um, so if anybody is thinking about purchasing, uh, I know our buddy, Danny, 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 right, Danny, Danny, <laughs> Danny, uh, had said that he purchased a book from you, uh, and he loved it. Of course, uh, Danny is a great, great guy. Um, if anybody else that's listening to this wants to purchase Beyond Lanios or Tanya's upcoming book, do we have a title for that yet, Tanya? It's called A Man Named Cold. Our Our Fifty Years with, with Indrid Cold. And awesome. I, can I can't wait for it, you a. I mean, I can't do it right now. I don't know how to do that while I'm on the computer. But I will send you a picture of the cover of that book because I've already... That'd be really cool. I've already had the cover drawn up. And just like when we we renegotiated for Beyond Lanulus and Visitors from Lanulus, I had him change the covers because I didn't like the covers that he chose. So, right. so there's th- those books that you have are actually, I guess, first edition copies and the other ones that are for sale now on Amazon are, I guess, second edition. But in the Beyond Lanulus that is for sale on Amazon now, there's a part, there's an epilogue in the back. And I need to explain that epilogue. I thought I might have sent it to you, Jeremy. I may not have. In 2018, I was living in a nursing home. One night, I was laying in bed, and it was very late. And I heard someone enter my room. And I looked at the clock, and it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I saw two gentlemen coming toward my bed which frightened me a little bit. And before I could hit my call light, I heard, Tanya, are you awake? It's Connor and Connor. And I didn't know what they would be doing there at that hour. And Indrid was not with them. 
So that automatically upset me. They proceeded to explain to me that Indrid and Carl Ardo and Dima Hassan had been chasing humanoid ships and Connor and Connor were watching the little blips on the radar and all of a sudden the blips are gone. That he that they believed that they were dead. Basically, they were coming to tell me that Indrid was dead. So, a little bit later on, well, let me go back. Of course, we hugged and cried and reminisced and until it was getting light and they had to leave so that they didn't get seen. And I said, well, couldn't he just be hiding? Because I know for years, Indrid wanted out of the, out of the limelight, just like my father did. My father got tired of it. It ruined my parents' marriage. And I didn't see my, wasn't able to see my father for years because of, because of it. And I mean, I mean, it was just a real mess for a long time. And probably about 18 months ago, maybe less than that, I at this point was in my own home and I woke up and there was a somebody standing at the foot of my bed. Now I was leaving my daughter, my son-in-law and my two grandchildren. So I was, you know, figured it was one of them. And the voice, the man, it was a man's voice. And he just said, no, don't turn on the light. And it was Indrid. Sorry, my dogs were just going nuts. I got new puppies. And when I talked to him about what happened and where he had been all that time, because I figured he was dead. You know, that's the way it was always explained to me. Of course, when I talked to him, you know, years before, and he said he wanted, you know, out of out of the spotlight and, you know, he didn't want me publicizing it anymore. Just, you know, keep it to myself. And and I was respecting his, his wishes. I said, well, if you want to go hide, where will you go hide? And he said, the Appalachian Mountains. Because there's, you know, so there's, you know, the thick wooded areas where he could go to hide. And when I asked him where he was, that that is exactly where he was. He was in the mountains because he never wanted to be very far away from where I was, especially after my father passed away. He thought of himself Mm -hmm. as a second father to me. And he said he didn't even know how he got there. But he was still very badly burned, you know, still healing. And had, you know, bandages on him. 
but that's it because that that's the epilogue in the second in the second edition of my book and i'm also opening up with that and a little bit more of an explanation with a man named cold i have a question for you tanya in regards to your books and this might be a weird question but is there a way that people can pay extra for like a signed copy of those books? They don't have to pay extra. Is that an option? If they if they buy a copy, it automatically comes autographed. Oh, snap. Nice. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and I even There you go. I even pay for shipping if it's bought in the continental United States. Woo. You're a nice lady, That's Tanya. Awesome. <laughs> I know sometimes Very, sometimes a little yeah, too awesome. nice. <laughs> well, um, so I've got I've got an obscure question too. This I can't remember if it came up in one of our episodes or if it came up in conversation with somebody who I had a conversation with on the topic of Imager Cold after the episodes came out. But I don't know if you've ever been asked this. Do you believe that there is the faintest chance that the Joker could be like the image used for the Joker from the Batman series could be based off of injured cold. No, no, no. So it's just like, let's look at this picture, right? This is a very, very common picture of what injured cold is supposedly supposed to look like. Right. Right. And somebody, I can't remember, was it during our episode, guys? Do you guys remember that? Yeah, I was asking you when the Joker came about in uh, the DC comics because, like, the uh, people had a bunch of, like, the same sort of, like, big, wide smiling or, like, grinning faces on the Joker and saying, like, oh, it's like Injured Cold. And I was just like, I wonder if the description of Injured Cold was utilized for the description of the Joker, because he's constantly smiling and stuff like that, or is that like we did some sort of like comparison? Like, was he smiling like the Joker or something like that? Because that wouldn't be very inviting. That would be more terrifying. The Joker's first appearance was in April of 1940, according to Wikipedia. Right, but the but he was portrayed differently then, and. Tanya, forgive me. I don't have my notes right in front of me. What was it? Seventy six that this all took place, or was this earlier than that? Nineteen sixty seven. Sixty seven. Dad's, yeah, um, Dad's initial initial sighting was in nineteen. It was in November nineteen sixty seven. So, trying. It, it. I've. I talked about it outside of you guys too i'm pretty sure somebody asked me at work because i had a lot of people who listen to the show at work and when they did a google search on injured cold the first thing they thought about was joker and i was like where is this joker thing coming from and the guy showed me the picture of of injured cold he goes this looks like the joker and i was like i wonder if they adjusted the look of the joker after this picture of injured cold was drawn. Do you know when this picture was drawn? No, I don't. 
Man, I wish I could find that out. It I think seems, that's something I looked it into seems possible to me. I mean, you know, if, if you're into writing comics, especially for something as big as like the Batman franchise, you know, you, you're probably familiar with things that go on in different folklore and, and all the other things. So it's not beyond my belief to think that maybe they just use that as a kind of a thing. But I wanted to ask you something totally different, Tanya. Did, did, um, or has Indrid ever talked about, well, actually, let me back up. Was the sighting with your dad, right? The event with your dad that happened initially, initially, right. was that the first time that him or anybody from his planet came here? No. It's the first so they, time they, they had... it's the first time they ever made <laughs> it's the first time they ever made contact with a human. But but they've it's been not the first before. time they ever they ever came. And and I'm gonna be explaining a lot more of that in my new book. So I don't okay. want to give away too much. Sure. Yeah, that was just something that popped into my head. I wondered if that was like the very first time or if they had come prior, so I mean, I, I have answers the question. I put sneak peeks on my page for a man named Cole, my Facebook page for it. I go in every once in a while, put a sneak peek on and tell people, well, this is what, you know, this happened and we're going to discuss this. And I urge people to even go on my page and ask questions so that I can, you know, put that information in the book if it's relative. Time to do a scavenger hunt, everybody. Mm-hmm. Gotta go find those those little hidden nuggets on the page there. <laughs> <laughs> um, does anybody else have any questions for Tanya? Mm-mm. I'm waiting for us to actually get to Lanulos. <laughs> I have questions about this planet. <laughs> so, all right, let's take a trip to Lanulos. I'm still waiting, Tanya. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, you got to talk to the boys I know. and, and get, get you out there. I know. Well, I think, I think me now that I'm closer to the area, it's really weird because now that I'm closer to the area where dad first saw Indrid's craft, people are actually seeing more UFOs in this area. And right. Excuse me. Congress wants them to call, be called UAPs. <laughs> I I don't care what Congress says. You can call them whatever you want, Tanya. But, <laughs> um, I've also seen had more visits from Indrid and the boys, and I think that's too because I'm living in my own house. I'm no longer living with my daughter, so he tends to check in a lot more, a lot more. But our house. I've got two very nice young couples who I rented bedrooms to upstairs. And up until recently, I also was taking in homeless people. (laughs) You know, basically friends of theirs who had no place to, to live. And so I would take them in and because I do, I have a third bedroom upstairs. In fact, at one point, I had all th- I had I had six people upstairs in bedrooms, and two living in my living room, because they had nowhere else to go, and that was this winter. 
and not toot my own horn or anything, but I did help to get the, them, you know, to where they could find jobs and get them out of my house. But you are a nice you a big heart, Tonya. Yeah, that's well, amazing. That I think that's my biggest fault. I don't like to see anybody hungry. I don't like to see anybody homeless. And I told um I told my aide who's one of the ones living here the other day, I said, you know, I said I've just come to the realization that I can help one person at a time, but I can't help everybody. Because what how that came up is I had brought in this gentleman out of um he had been in jail and he was a friend of one of the couples that I had living here. And I, when I was in the hospital last, this last time, he brought in some of his friends and they robbed me blind. They took oh, no. every piece of jewelry that I had. I vaped. They stole my vapes. They stole my daughter's crystal ball, you know, anything that wasn't nailed down. So, yeah, I'm glad I had my laptop. I'm sorry to hear that. I had my laptop in the hospital with me or it would probably be gone too. But he's back in jail now anyway. But yeah, that's unfortunate. I, I, I can't help everybody. And that's always what Indra told me. He used to call me his little rose because roses um, are delicate and very beautiful is the his explanation to me. That's a, that a very nice explanation. Yeah, I love that. I actually have a question just to oh. backtrack a little bit. You said you were living with your daughter before you moved into your new house that you bought. How involved are your kids with the Indrid Colds story? Like, do have they met Indrid? Are they involved with him at all? Their his kids, is there a relationship there? No, there's no relationship between my children and them because I had stepped back from it for so long. Sorry, guys, and because I had stepped back from it for so long and. They just don't have any any interest. I mean, I have five kids, and none of them have any, any interest in it. So, I figured it was worth shot asking. Be kind of cool definitely. if your kids were more involved, but I mean, it is what it is, right? Yeah, it is. What Do it they is. want to be? I don't think so. Like I said, they've taken no no interest in the subject. They've watched podcasts that I've been on in the past, but. They really, you know, they take the stance of a lot of people to where they don't believe in UFOs. They don't believe that there can be other life forms out there besides besides ours. That God Almighty created one Earth, and that's all he populated. And I, of course, growing up with the story, I've never bought that. You know, I, I knew better. I mean, why would he just create, you know, Earth 
and put people just on earth? I know I'm getting too good deep. question. <laughs> that's a good question. I have a, another random question. Um, yeah, no, that's okay. Uh, what are the chances that injured or his family might listen to this episode? Oh, there's a very good chance. Oh, snap. Hey, really? what's up, Indrid and family? Yeah, they... <laughs> Hello, I mean, everybody. <laughs> I mean, Indrid sat down and watched Hellier with me and corrected all the mistakes in Hellier. That's awesome. How does that make you guys feel, knowing that there's a good chance that another worldly being might listen to this episode? I mean, if it shows up on our anchor, right? If it shows up that that we've got like a new planet a listening from it. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, no, that is pretty cool. cool either way. Anchor analytics, yeah. There's a a thing we can click on on the Anchor website, the the host that we use for our podcasting, and it it shows us, uh, you know, where every you know where our listeners are by by state, by country, and by planet. So. As of right now, 100% of our listeners comes from planet Earth. We have a whole big uh, market that we have yet touched in the rest of the solar system and the rest of the universe. So as soon as uh, Lanulos pops up there, we will know. Dude, if that 100% of Earth switches to 99%, I'm going to lose my mind, dude. I'm going to lose it. Well, I'm that not saying be... they'll, they'll, they'll listen from Lanulus or any, anything. I mean, <laughs> he he knows. Nope, it has to be. <laughs> he, he knows. Kidding. He knows that I was going to do this interview, so I'm sure he'll be very interested. Is... In he's well he's... injured. If you're listening, I would love to meet you as well. Please make it happen, buddy. Yeah, uh, injured. I just, I just want a souvenir from Lanulus. I don't care if it's a rock. I want something cool. Uh, just something to put up on the shelf back here that says it's from Lanulos. That'd be so cool. Are the colds opposed to you taking pictures of them? Yes. Why? Yes, he, he's never allowed me to take a picture of him because he doesn't want it to fall into the wrong hands. Knowing that because honestly, I've only been I've I lived in nursing a nursing home from the time my second husband and I split up in twenty fifteen until four years ago. Mm-hmm. So my things were shuffled here and there and I moved back and forth to and from Cleveland several times. But he's afraid things are gonna fall in the wrong hands. And I think that's also, and I know for a fact, that's why he won't show himself to many people here. And he won't just, you know, park outside the White House and go in. I mean, especially after the congressional congressional hearings today and them saying that they considered these UAPs as being a threat to national security. He's always he's he has seen the way they treat the prisoners at Guantanamo Bay, the illegal aliens trying to come in from, you know, Mexico. He sees the way these people are treated. So they're very afraid that if they do show themselves that 
they'll be treated the same way and they'll lose their freedoms. I mean, I don't know if it's better than showing up at the White House and saying, hey, we come in peace. Don't shoot our spaceship out of the sky the next time we enter your airspace, because I think that's what's going to happen next is we're going to blow one of these things out of the sky to see what it is. And that would be more of yeah. a more of a concern than, you know, I mean, shoot, he could he could just hover above the White House and yell out the window and be like, we're here. No, nothing to worry about. You know, right through protected airspace. Right. But I mean, I can I can understand the, the sentiment and and saying that you know, I mean, every single movie that we depict with aliens, like, with the exception of two, we're killing them. So I mean, I guess it makes sense, <laughs> right? This <laughs> is true. You, I mean, you look at you know pop culture now, and and how is it? How are alien beings, people or creatures from another planet, depicted in our pop culture? They're depicted as evil. They're depicted. Mm-hmm. Or we are depicted as battling them, killing them, them killing us. And, you know, the stigma that comes along with it is that if they're not from here, they are bad. Um, But Jake did bring up a good point there, right? Is that we are getting to the point now where we've had, you know, the the big... Uh, drop of information in 2021 mm-hmm. and now the congressional hearing of today which is the 17th of may 2022 um where they announced this new office under the secretary of defense uh where basically they're revamping project blue book and uh atips and you know all this other all these other programs that were around and now they're they're you know being very public with it and open with it um and it sounds like we're heading towards a more defensive uh posture with these UAPs or UFOs how afraid are you or you know are you concerned for the lanulogians that are that could be possibly flying around in our airspace that the U.S. could potentially take a shot at them. Oh, it frightens me every day. I mean, it's like Indra will come and see me, and I'm like, did anybody see you come in? Did anybody see you outside? You know, I mean, it it frightens me all the time. Mm -hmm. I worry about him, you know, constantly. I think it's definitely warranted, especially after all the stuff that came out today. Right. Which we which we plan to dive into uh very soon. Um but we have let's go ahead and move into Lanulos itself. And let's uh let's just go ahead and uh Tanya, can you go ahead and describe how your father, Woody Derenberger, described his personal trips he described them as very pleasant places Mm -hmm. um you know their culture is not really unlike ours it's like indrid had told him you know we sleep eat and breathe as you do and dad found that to be very true he didn't really go into a Mm -hmm. whole lot of a 
a description. I mean, dad died in 1990 and we had been estranged for quite a few years. But like I said, after, I believe he, he moved up to Cleveland back in 19, well, I was, when I was 15, he moved back. And at that point, he just wanted to forget about the whole thing. In fact, dad even went so far as to change his name for a while when he was going to get jobs. The architecture and some of the technologies there in Lanulos, uh, we'll start with the architecture first. Uh, Woody, in his book, Visitors from Lanulos, uh, went on to describe some, you know, most of the buildings as being only one story tall. Right. Um, they made a center, made a center block. Yes. Made a center block. Um, they were surprisingly pretty similar to here on earth ex with a few exceptions, such as the, uh, the laundry room, uh, where apparently the entire room was used as the washing machine and not just a machine sitting in the room. Um, and then they had those very, very long, I don't know what they're called, but the best way I can describe them is like sidewalk escalators. Hmm. <laughs> what, what, what is the, what is the proper term for those things? You guys know what I'm talking about? You mean like the yeah, moving sidewalk? The airport. Yeah. Yeah. A pedway? Like the, the... What? A pedway? A pedestrian is that, way? Is that what Canadians call it? Probably. Yeah, probably. I think <laughs> I, agree, I agree with Tanya, moving sidewalk. Or whatever. It, yeah, it, moving It's sidewalk. like the thing over that. at the airport, right? Yeah, yeah. it's like a conveyor belt yeah. for people. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and then they had, instead of roads, they had very, very long ditches with a, uh, with a form of automobile or craft-type technology that would uh, hover inside of these ditches and move in a forward and backwards um, motion sort of like a train. Is that correct, Tanya? Yeah, Dad always told me they were kind of like monorails, but they were closer to the ground. Who was it? Who, who uh, when they pictured Lanulos, Jake or Jeff, Jeff. one of you two picture, pictured it as like 1950s uh, uh, like silver diner kind of look to it. Am I wrong, Jeffrey? No, yeah, that was one of my questions was, uh, you know, that was one of the things that made me skeptical was it seems to me, like not even just in this instance, but it seems like most of the older uh, UFO sightings or depictions of all kinds of stuff, especially going back like a few decades, it seemed like they always portrayed these other technologies, these otherworldly technologies in a way that definitely fit what like people in the fifties and the sixties thought the future would look like, if that makes sense. Like everything was depicted very Jetsons-y mm -hmm. rather than otherworldly. It was very, very much like earthly, but like future. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, it led me to question. I was like, hey, you know, why is that the case? Why does it always look like it's from the Jetsons or something? Because they, didn't want the pollution on their planet like we have here from car exhaust 
and things of that nature. Lanius is what Dad always called. He said it was a very beautiful planet and very clean. And, you know, very, they didn't want the, the pollution the way we have it now. So, Jake, you said you had a few questions for when we got to Lanulus. What do you got for us, man? Before he does that, I just want to say that I verified the name of that device we were talking about. It's called a moving walk. Hmm. A moving walk, huh? Yep. What does Canadia say? Headway sounds better. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. I'm kind of team moving walk now. Moving walk. <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. Sorry, bud. Um. Well, Jeff stole my question. And um, <laughs> I'm just going to repeat everything. Your questions tonight. I know I get picked on here. I get picked on and abused. It's crazy. Um, He's a victim. Yeah, right. So I had a question that I asked Asher's and it was in regards to Woody's first and then second trips over to Lanulos. And I believe that the circumstance was was that at the se- I believe at the second trip he had to do some sort of like wash down or vaccinations or something like that for the bacteria and germs and the question that I had was it's like so he didn't bring any foreign bacteria back to lanulose or to lanulose and then it, nothing back from lanulose to earth is that correct yes okay so I'm making sure that my, my train of thought's correct. So my question was, is that in circumstances with, like, the flu, I have never once wanted to catch the flu, but I was around somebody that had it or was, you know, coming down from having the flu by breathing the same air as them or by being around maybe clothes that were they were hacking all over or whatever, wiping their nose on, I picked up this foreign body, right? So why is it that it doesn't seem that Indrid was very concerned about having these face-to-face conversations with Woody prior to taking him to Lanulos? Because it would have, in my mind, had the same effect if, if he has these foreign back, if Indrid has this foreign bacteria on him that we don't have here on Earth, uh, why was he not concerned about shoot, I might give Woody space aids from being standing next to him or something like that, right? Something, uh, some uncurable disease that our doctors here would have no idea what he had. And uh, it just absolutely like starts a, uh, a, you know, a pathogen spread that kills like the entire earth, right? It's just like something just decimates us with this foreign bacteria that no one can fight against because we don't have it here. It just seems to me like there wasn't a lot of concern in that regard. Because and it's like they, they didn't have, they don't have diseases on, on Lanulus because it's such a clean planet. And Indrid always told me that every time he would come and even see me, he had to go back there. And there was a period of quarantining that they had to do. Mm-hmm. That actually makes sense, and I don't want to get off on a 
too deep of a rabbit hole here and get all conspiratorial on you guys, but <laughs> you can look at you can there's a correlation it seems um from the increase of technologies and pollution that we have here in the amount of diseases and sicknesses that we have here on earth as well. So if you go back, you know, far enough, you could see that yeah, of course there were some things that were making people sick, but nowadays it seems like exponential exponentially more things the more stuff that we do so right if they don't have all well, that stuff then maybe they don't have any kind of real illnesses to worry about we can we can dive deeper into that another day because you're right there there's a lot to to dissect there a lot and i would love to have that conversation uh but we're running running pretty uh pretty late on tanya here so i want to make sure we get all of the rest of this in does anybody else have any other questions I, I'm very satisfied with that answer because I asked Asher's and she, it didn't seem like we were communicating correctly. But yeah, that is that would be a that would be an explanation I could live with. <laughs> I appreciate you. A, quor- a quarantine period. <laughs> well, no, I mean just the idea of their 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 civilization is so much more sterile and cleaner than ours. Mm-hmm. That they don't have to worry about that sort of stuff versus, um, well, I mean, I guess the the second question to that would be why wouldn't, I mean, what sort of preparedness or or prep did they have prior to coming here so that they didn't catch you know our various germs and it just destroys their immune system? Um, but shots. I imagine that if, well, yeah, but I imagine if they if it wasn't their first interaction with people, right, and they had come here before, then they. I mean, they could take a sample of dirt back with them and be like, well, here's all the stuff that's on Earth. You know, let's find something to fight against this. So when we come over to Earth, we don't collect anything, you know, or if they're such an advanced society, their immune system is so much more advanced than us, then it wouldn't even matter. So I, I don't know. Right. It's like, but I'm satisfied with that answer. <laughs> that was that was the <laughs> hill I was willing to die on. And it's, it's no more. <laughs> so. Uh, speaking of Asher's, how did you uh, how did you meet Asher's? She is she's awesome. She is very awesome, and we actually met on Facebook. I was just hmm. scanning Facebook on one of my hospital visits, one of my many many hospital visits, and we started talking. And she came to Parkersburg, and we met at the local Dunkin' Donuts because we were. I was moving out at the time and the house was, was a mess. So I had two small grandkids. So we met, we met down the street, Dunkin' Donuts and yeah, she is, she is one fantastic lady. So if anybody's curious on who Asher's is, she is the, one of the hosts of the on Wednesdays, we talk weird podcast. And she was our guest on the four part injured cold series for our audio only podcast. Uh you can go back and listen to that at any time. All four episodes are available and ready for your hearing. She is she is a blast, I will say that. And uh I I am definitely going to have to reach out to her soon to try to get her back on the show. Um she specializes in Mothman uh information and um a lot of people were introduced to the topic of injured cold via the movie uh, that was based off of a John A. Keel book. 
by the same name and the that name is the mothman prophecies um although i will not say that the movie's version of injured cold is a very accurate description no far far from it in fact <laughs> far, far far from, from it. it in fact i was i received a, a phone call from john keel once they had wrapped up you know filming and the only reason i received it then was because his researchers had just finally found me after so many years of you know not being in touch and he told me that they were taking a lot of artistic license with the movie and that there was a character in there who was a crazy guy, AKA Gordon Smallwood. And people were going to say that that was the basis of my father's character. And the only reason any of that was the injured cold was even in the book was because John Keel was our farmhouse um, investigating dad's sighting at the same time the bridge collapsed in Point Pleasant. Right. And um, a lot of people, if they if they do any sort of dive into the Mothman uh, mythos, will find a vague connection to the injured cold story. Um, and that is mostly thanks to John Keel. And I am... I just have to say I'm jealous that you were able to talk to that man on the phone before his passing. That is uh, absolutely fantastic, and I'm super jealous of that. And I know Asher's is too. <laughs> Shout out, Asher's. How you doing? Um, so I am pretty tapped out for questions. I've, you know, I, I'm good. What about you guys? Yeah, I don't really have any other questions either. Um I do want to say thanks, Tanya, for coming on because this is quite interesting and it is always nice, like Jeremy said, to talk to somebody, you know, somebody who was there, right? Somebody who has firsthand experience rather than just going off of what we find in a book or off the internet and have no idea, you know. But yeah, so. Been, yeah, I mean, it was, been good. It, it, it's been a wild life. It's it's honestly been been a wild ride the last 55 years. I'm sure. Jake, you got any last comments, questions? No, that was the, that last one was the biggest question I had, but it's shot you down. I know it's, it's been ended. The nightmare has been ended. Oh, (laughs) I I can sleep. Um, (laughs) No, Tanya, thank you so much for joining us on here. Thanks for putting up with my ridiculous question. And, uh, I I certainly hope that, um, I mean, I hope that you had fun and you'd be willing to to come back on if we have any more of those, you know, stirring things that we can't just quite get and stuff. Because oh, I mean, yeah, we certainly enjoyed having you on here. Yeah, anytime. Awesome. It, it was it it was really it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Kenzar. Any closing uh, statements or comments? I have no more questions, but. Tanya, it was wonderful meeting you. It's been wonderful chatting with you. Thank you so very much for indulging us. Um, And you as well. That's all. That's all I got. Thank you. Just thank you. You're awesome. You're welcome. Thank you. And of course, Tanya, I'm going to say thank you one more time. (laughs) This has been an absolute dream and a... 
I, I just don't even have words for it. I just want to say thank you. This is the 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 mythos surrounding Andrew Cold and your father, Woody Derenberger, has something that has been captured uh, with my attention for so long. Um, again, words, they, they're just not there for it. Um, I have all kinds of books, even that book from that one guy, that uh, Andy Colvin guy. <laughs> um because of the fascination that i have with this topic and i'm not trying to just blow smoke up your ass you are a celebrity to me and uh you you are definitely an absolutely wonderful person with an incredible story and i am blessed and very very thankful to have the chance to talk to you. Um, This was awesome. This was a dream come true. Thank you so much, Tanya. Oh, you're welcome. It was a lot of fun. And uh, before we sign off, can you go ahead and let anybody that's listening to this know where they can follow anything Tanya Derenberger? Uh, Well, I have a personal Facebook page. and But like Asher's, I'm not on there to be hit on. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we get these people, they seem interested in what, you, what you're talking about in your story. But then once you get on there, they're like, they know, they know nothing about you. I also yeah. have a mm-hmm. Facebook page for my dad's book, Visitors from Lanulus. And one for my book, Beyond Lanulus. And another one for a man named Cold. I'm gonna to have to join the uh, the visitors from Lanulus one. I I I'm on the the man named Cold and Beyond Lanulus, but I did not know that you had one for your father's book too. That is awesome. Yeah, in fact, um, I have spoken to Indrid, and I believe he's gonna have a Facebook page at some point. That's awesome. Well, when that happens, you need to let us know so we can go ahead and post that on the Infinite Rabbit Hole page. Oh, I definitely. <laughs> um, All right, well, that has been another episode of The Infinite Rabbit Hole. Stay tuned and make sure that you check out The Infinite Rabbit Hole Facebook group to stay up on all news Tanya Derenberger in her new book. Um, When we get more information on that, we will post it. I'm sure Tanya will too. She is very active in our group and she is very friendly. So please, please, please say hello to her. She is awesome and we love her. And yet again, this has been another episode of The Infinite Rabbit Hole, a product of the Paranormal Network. Thank you, and we'll see you on the next path of The Infinite Rabbit Hole. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.